I want you to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. Uh, that's where we're going to be in God's Word. I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm like Brother Jess, I'm just, uh, I'm caught up in how amazing God is and how good God is. I told Levi and Leslie just a few moments ago, I said, look, before I ever speak a word, you're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, His perfect life, His sacrificial death, and His glorious resurrection. They did that through their baptism. And it's so awesome to hear Brother Jess and the praise team lead us in songs that are all about Jesus, who He is and what He has done and what He continues to do. And now as we open up the Word, we're going to get to learn together uh, more about Jesus and about who He is and what He has done and what He is doing in the lives of these apostles, but what Jesus continues today to do today in and through you and me. You see, in Acts chapter 3, if you'll remember, Peter and John... They were filled by the Holy Spirit, and they performed a miracle. In Acts chapter 3, they asked a a lame man to get up, and he got up. And that lame man was completely healed. That's what Acts chapter 3 says. In other words, he was healed from the inside out. He was changed. He was saved by God spiritually. And yes, physically, he was able to walk. As a matter of fact, the Bible said for the very first time, he stood up. And he began to jump, and he praised God right there in the middle of the temple courts. The Bible says people were filled with wonder and amazement at what they had seen, what God had done. And Peter, being who he is, he took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of him. All of these people, they were amazed, and they were filled with wonder at the miracle. But Peter said, well, let me give you the message that goes with the miracle. And so Peter, he preached the perfect life of Jesus Christ. He preached the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ and he focused on and preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter stood boldly upon the name of Jesus. And we're going to see a continuance of that today. So before I go any further, I want to focus on that word bold. What does that word bold mean? You know, for me, uh, when I do a lot of writing, if I want to emphasize something, I'll capitalize it, and then you know what I'll do? I'll hit this little button up there at the top of my Word document, bold. And it, it, and it stands out, okay? So for me, from a writing standpoint, that's what bold means. It means to stand out. Well, I'll be honest with you. Peter and John, they stood out. They stood out for sure on this day. But that word bold, it means something more than just standing out. That word bold actually means to be fearless before danger. To be fearless before danger. It also means to be confident. And that's what Peter and John were on this stage, on this day, right there in the middle of the temple courts. And listen, being bold, being bold as Christ followers didn't give Peter and John the right to be ugly or mean-spirited to others who came against them. Rather, it gave them the opportunity to tell others the truth about the Word of God, to tell the truth about the person and the works of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what Peter does in Acts chapter 4. Now we have to remember, in Acts chapter 3, it said all of the people that were there that day were filled with amazement. They were filled with wonder. But listen, there wasn't just everyday citizens in attendance that day. Remember where they were. They were in the temple courts. And so not only were there everyday citizens, there were religious leaders there that day. 
There were members of the Pharisees there that day. There were members of the Sadducees there that day. And all of these religious leaders, I can tell you this, they were not filled with wonder and amazement. Because they didn't come to see a miracle from God performed by Peter and John. And they certainly didn't come to hear a message preached by Peter and John. You see, they responded differently. And that's what we're going to see right here in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. So look at it with me. It says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So right in the middle of their message, right in the middle of the invitation, they came up while Peter and John were speaking to the people. Verse 2, they were greatly disturbed. Do you see their response to the miracle? Do you see their response to the message that Peter has preached? They weren't amazed and filled with wonder. The Bible says they were greatly disturbed. And here's why. Because the apostles were teaching the people. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Uh Uh-oh, looks like bad news, don't it? I'm glad verse 4 is here. Verse 4 says, But... Many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Whoo, this is good. Listen, the religious leaders, the Bible tells us the religious leaders were greatly disturbed. Have you ever been disturbed before? Right? Is, Is that a feeling that you enjoy? No. Most of the time when we hear the word disturb, it's unsettling. It's not good, right? And so that means these religious leaders, they were agitated. Not only were they agitated, they were annoyed and even aggravated by what was going on this day in the temple courts and by what was being said by these apostles. Why were they disturbed? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly. Number one, they were disturbed because of the apostles' teaching, right? They were disturbed because the apostles were teaching. You see, in that setting and in that day, these religious leaders, especially the Pharisees and Sadducees, they believed the only ones capable of teaching were the religious leaders and the teachers of the law, those who had been trained in the rabbinical ways. The Sadducees, who were there that day and who were very much in control of this little meeting, the Sadducees, they were the theological liberals of the day. And they did not believe in the resurrection. That is very important because guess what Peter and John and the other apostles had just seen with their own eyes and were witnesses of? The resurrection. And Jesus had taught them that if I be raised, whoever believes in me, you too will not die, but you will live, you will be raised. And so they were preaching the resurrection. Well, the Sadducees, they didn't even believe in a resurrection. They didn't even believe in angels. And and so Peter and John were preaching Jesus Christ, and they were preaching the resurrection. And so they were disturbed, right, because the apostles were teaching. They were disturbed because the apostles were teaching resurrection rather than rules. Do you see the difference? The Sadducees and Pharisees were always about what? Law, 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 rule, rule, rule. They didn't mention the name Jesus. 
It was always about the rules. And so Peter and John, they're preaching the resurrection, not the rules. And, and so these religious leaders were disturbed. They were agitated, annoyed. They wanted people to be bound, if you want the honesty here. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they wanted the people under their authority. They wanted them to focus on them, no one else, especially this Jesus. If you'll remember, it was these leaders, right, who thought they had done away with Jesus. They, look, we crucified the man. We put him in the grave. He's gone. They thought they were done with Jesus. And here, Peter and John are preaching Jesus Christ resurrected. Jesus Christ The only one, the only name. There is no other name but Jesus. And so these religious leaders fed up with what they were hearing. And because it was getting towards the end of the day, right? They put them in jail. Let's put them in jail. Let's shut them up. But here's the thing. You can shut up Peter and John, but you ain't shutting God up. You can stop Peter and John from standing up in the middle of a temple courts, but you ain't going to stop the Holy Spirit from stirring and moving. Because even after Peter and John are jailed, God saved lost souls. Amen? He saved lost souls. The power of God could not be contained, nor could it be stopped. And this message, right, this message that Peter preached right after the miracle that Peter and John performed, it resonated in the hearts and the minds of the people. If you remember, back in Acts chapter 3, after Peter preached the message, it says the people's hearts were cut, right? They were cut to their hearts. Peter didn't do that. You know who did that? The Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God cannot be contained and cannot be stopped. You can't jail the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God moved, and it stirred people unto salvation even after Peter stopped preaching even after the religious leaders said, well, we'll shut him up. We'll put him in jail for the night. God said, well, I ain't done. And he kept on moving. Don't you love that? I know I do. Jesus told these apostles, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem. And that's where they were. You'll be my, you'll be my witnesses in Judea. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria. You'll be my witnesses all over this earth. And he also made them a promise. You'll be filled With the Holy Spirit of God, you'll be empowered and enabled to do what I call you to do. So what happens? Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 12 says this, The next day, right? The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Look at their question. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, Luke, he he gives us, uh, he tells us something that we should already know. He says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you, he's talking to the religious leaders, but he also realizes he's got the ear of other people as well. He says, you and all the people of Israel, 
It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That's twice he said that. Whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And look at verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Once again, Peter stands in the holy boldness of God. In the power of the Holy Spirit. He stands and he preaches again. He preaches the message again. Back in Acts chapter 3, he told the people, God raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ resurrected. And right here before the the chief priest and the elders and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he's preaching the same message. Even though you crucified him, even though you put him in the grave, the grave couldn't hold him, God raised him from the dead. And it's by his name, his name, that all must be saved. What a powerful message. Listen, these religious leaders, they had questions. They had questions. They wanted to know what power the apostles had. They wanted to know what name the apostles proclaimed. They they didn't know how this happened or why this happened, especially right there in the middle of the temple courts. But let's not forget, these were the same ones who rejected Jesus Christ. They were the same ones that believed they had handled Jesus Christ. They had put him away. And, And so they had these questions, two questions. What power are you using and whose name? Because many times, right, these same leaders, they came to Jesus and said, oh, you're performing, you're performing miracles, but it's by the power of Beelzebub. It's by the power of Satan. That's what, they, that's what they accused Jesus of. And so I believe they were getting ready to accuse these apostles of the same thing. So they had questions, but, oh, the apostles had an answer, didn't they? They had the answer. You know what the answer was? One word. Jesus. (laughs) Peter Peter didn't hold back. Peter said, it's it's Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. That's the power. That's the name. I, I love this because Luke, as if we forget sometimes, Luke reminds us that Peter was filled by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, he was bold. What does that mean? That means he stood fearless before the danger that was in front of him. That means he stood confidently, right? He he stood confidently in this place when these religious leaders who had pedigree and who had all this education and training were questioning him. Peter stood up and said, it's Jesus. You got a question? I got an answer. It's Jesus. Peter pointed to the resurrected Jesus Christ as the reason that the lame man could walk as a reason that the lame man was completely healed. It was at the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And he reminds the religious leaders, right? He reminds them of God's purpose and God's plan, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love this because Peter doesn't just fall back on his own words. What does he fall back on? Does anybody see what Peter did? He quoted Scripture, right? He quoted Scripture. Listen, if you ever go to a church and a preacher ain't preaching out of the Bible, get up and walk out. Get up and leave because it ain't worth your time and it ain't worth your ears listening to. If the Word of God is not opened up and preached, He ain't preaching Jesus. Because Jesus Christ is the Word. Isn't that what John says? Chapter 1. The Word became flesh. 
And so if Jesus ain't being preached and the Word of God ain't being preached, you need to get up and leave. And you need to stop going and stop listening to that preacher. It's Jesus. So Peter, he quotes Scripture. What Scripture does he quote? Psalm 118. Listen to what it says. Psalm 118, verses 22 through 24. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. Do you see that? Man can't take credit for what's going on. Yeah, even though you crucified him, it was God's plan for him to be crucified. Yeah, you put him in the grave, but it was God's plan for him to go to that grave. Because it was God's plan to roll that stone away and call him up out of that grave. He says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Peter says, this act of kindness from God, taking a man who could not walk from birth, who who was over 40 years old, and we'll find that out as we keep reading, but this man who had never walked could now walk again. And not only could he walk again, but this man was praising God. And you're questioning us? You're disturbed? What should have been rejoicing and gladness, (laughs) the religious leaders have turned it around and made it a disturbance. They're annoyed, they're agitated, they're aggravated. But Peter, oh, he puts the nail in it, doesn't he? Because he says when it comes to salvation, there is no other name, only Jesus. You can teach your rules, you can teach your laws, but those rules and those laws don't save. Only Jesus. That's what Peter preached that day. Peter didn't preach rules, he preached the resurrected Jesus Christ. Peter didn't lift himself up high, he lifted Jesus up high. And that's how you preach a message. That's how you teach the Word of God. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about resurrected Jesus, and it's all about Jesus lifted up. No one else, nothing else. Only Jesus. And so, watch how the religious leaders respond. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. (laughs) So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. Now, what I like to say is they called a timeout. See, the game wasn't going the way they wanted it to go, and the scoreboard didn't light up the way they wanted it lit up, so they said, oh, hold up, timeout, timeout. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. In other words, they realized that something big happened and something special happened. And they ain't got no part in it. No, it's these apostles. These these uneducated, ordinary people. Mm. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. In other words, you have to shut that Jesus talk up. 
That's what they came up with in their time out. And I'm sure they said, yeah, yeah, that'll get them. We'll tell these boys who the boss is. Show these boys who the boss is. So verse 18, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter, I love that. (laughs) But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him. You be the judges. In other words, you know the answer to that. You teach the rules and the laws. Whose commands are we supposed to follow? They knew the answer to that question. As for us, look at this. As for us, verse 20, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Praise God, Peter and John, you know what they did? They stood out, right? That's another definition of bold, to stand out. Peter and John stood out to these religious leaders. There was no doubt that something happened, and there was no doubt that the apostles had some sort of power and some sort of knowledge. So what did, how did they stand out? Well, number one, to these religious leaders, these religious leaders looked at them and said, these guys are courageous. They noticed it. They noticed that they were courageous, they were bold, they were confident. And I'm going to tell you what that was. That was an overflow of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you pray and when you ask God to fill you with His Spirit, you better look out because He'll do it. He will do it. And, and, And He will use you to do things you could never do in and of yourself. The overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life, it is powerful. It is, it is boldness. It is courageous. And so they noticed that these men were courageous. Not only that, they noticed they were unschooled. You're going, well, what does that mean? Well, some versions say they were uneducated. They were untrained. And so what that means is they noticed that these men had not been trained according to the rabbinical school of law and study. They had no formal training. But let me just tell you something, right? They were trained. And they were taught by God in flesh. Woo! They were taught by God in flesh, Jesus Christ. They were trained. They were empowered, enabled, and they were ready to do what God created them to do and called them to do. And there wasn't no rabbi school on earth that could prepare them, empower them, and enable them like God through Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, they were, they were unschooled. These religious leaders said they're ordinary. And you're like, well, that's not really a compliment. I think it is. I thank God for the ordinary. See, they were ordinary. You know what that means? That means to these religious leaders, these were men of common rank, common social status, even common ability. See, I love this compliment, right, that was meant to probably be... (laughs) more of a disgrace, I take it as a compliment and I think it was a great compliment because here's the truth of the matter. Peter and John couldn't take credit for what happened. Only God. Only God. I love it when God does stuff that me and you can't take credit for. Don't ever put baptisms on me. They ain't got nothing to do with me. 
That's got everything to do with the Word of God being preached, prayers being prayed, and God saving lost souls. And that's it. God saving lost souls. This praise team, they got incredible talents. They got incredible abilities. Each one of them individually has been gifted by God. But God's the one that brings them together and makes it a beautiful sound to his ears. It's God that does that. It's God. He takes the ordinary and does extraordinary with it. And that's what was happening here. But the greatest compliment, the best compliment, you know what they recognized? You know what they observed? That these men had been with Jesus. Oh, man. I can only hope and pray that that's said of me one day. That I recognize he had been with Jesus. Oh, man. You can have all the training in the world. You can have the highest positions. You can have the greatest social status. But if you don't have Jesus, you ain't got nothing. You hear me? You can have all the money in the bank. Right? You you can have all the social media networks lit up with likes and loves and comments. But if you ain't got Jesus, you ain't got nothing. Because all that stuff will die. It will be gone one day and there will be nothing left. And you'll stand before God and it won't matter how many Facebook people followed you or how many Instagram likes you got or how much money you made over the course of your life or how many stuff you had, trophies you had shining and polished on on your mantle. None of that will matter. You know the only thing that will matter? Jesus. Jesus. What would you do with Jesus? Did you reject him? Like these religious leaders? Did you reject the stone that God made the cornerstone? Or did you embrace him? That's all that will matter. It reminds me of that passage in Mark chapter 3. You remember when Jesus was calling his disciples? It said Jesus called his disciples to come up on the mountainside. And it said he called them to... Be with him. That's what it says. Mark chapter 3. He called them so that they might be with him. And then, right? Don't get the order mixed up. He called them first to be with him. And then he might send them out to guess what? Preach and heal. Yeah. That's what the Bible says. And that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees recognized. These men had been with Jesus. Let me tell you something. Our service and our activity for Jesus should always flow from our time with him. Our service and our activity for Jesus should always flow from our time with him. That's the only kind of service, that's the only kind of activity that's going to matter is if it flows from you spending time with Jesus. The Bible tells us that the religious leaders could not deny. Don't you love that? They could not deny the miracle. So they decided to threaten the apostles instead. They could not deny the man was standing right there. The man who had never walked in all of these years. The one who sat right outside the gate because they wouldn't let him in the temple courts because they said he was unclean. That's why he couldn't walk. He's unclean. He must have done something. God punished him, so he can't come in here. Now he's standing there. Not just standing, but he's jumping up and down. He's so excited. They couldn't deny it. And so what do they do? They call a a little timeout. They have a holy less huddle. See, it wasn't a holy huddle because there was nothing holy about them. 
So they had a holy less huddle. And they said, we'll threaten these guys. So they did. They removed the apostles from the room, called their time out. They said, this is the best plan. We'll threaten them. We'll tell them to shut up. And Peter and John said, we cannot stop. Peter and John said, we cannot stop talking about Jesus. And so they did not deny Jesus Christ. The threats of man held no weight to them compared to the commands of God. It held no weight. You can say what you want. You can do what you want to us. But we're going to preach Jesus. That's pretty powerful, amen? The religious leaders were so fearful of the crowds. Even though they wanted control of the crowds, what they didn't realize is because they wanted control of the crowds, the crowds controlled them. Yeah, it's reverse psychology. That's what it is. They could make no decision of how to move forward. Why? Because the crowds kept praising God for what happened. Well, we better let them go. Kick them on out. Let them go their way because this crowd, you know, they're praising God and we don't want to we don't want to lose our power and control over them even though they had no power and control. Only God. I love Pastor Tony Merida. And uh, speaking of ordinary, if you want to read a good book, I know Brother Jeremy has read it. He and I have read it. and It's a very, very good book. But Pastor Tony Merida wrote a book called Ordinary. And this is what he said in his book, Ordinary. And he was talking about the apostles. He said they had a different king. His name is Jesus He called them to a unique way of life. They were not impressive peace people, but they they served an impressive king. These ordinary men turned the world upside down. By submitting to the lordship of Jesus and proclaiming his substitutionary death and his bodily resurrection and displaying good deeds that reflect the values of God's kingdom, God used these ordinary Christ followers to help change lives one conversation at a time, one meal at a time, one act of mercy at a time. You may be sitting here today and you may say, you know what, I can't preach like you preach, Brother Jeff, or I can't, I can't teach a Sunday school class like, like, like Brother Max teaches or, or, or like this person teaches that. I can't be a deacon or, Brother Jeff, I can't do, I can't. You need to stop with the whole I can't stuff. Because every time you say I can't, you're belittling God in your life. When it comes to the work of God, God can do anything He wants to do. Anytime He wants to do. Anywhere He wants to do. With anyone He wants to do. I tell you all the time, I'm a good example. If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through anybody. That's in the Bible, by the way. That's not me making that up. God spoke through a donkey. And so if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through Jeff. God can speak through you. Don't tell me what you can't. Tell me that you're praying and that you're waiting on God and you're trusting God and tell me that you're going to obey him. Be bold. Be fearless before the danger that's in front of you. Be confident, not in yourself, but in the one who fills you and enables you and empowers you. That's what these apostles were doing. And so my prayer today, right? My prayer today is that we would embrace Jesus Christ. First and foremost, if you've never repented of your sin and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, my prayer today is that you would be saved. By the Holy Spirit of God stirring your heart and mind, I pray that you would turn away from sin and self, that you would turn to God, 
so that times of refreshment may come, so that your sins might be wiped out. Those are not my words. Go look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Just preached it last week. That's my prayer, that you would be saved. My prayer today is that Christ followers in this room would be witnesses for the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our world. And I'm going to tell you, our world is desperate to know the truth. Because the enemy, the enemy is planting lies all over. In our homes, in our schools, even in churches. In our world today, our world is disrupted, it's chaotic. And I'm going to tell you, there ain't but one person, ain't but one person that can help this world and his name is Jesus. It ain't you and it ain't me, it's Jesus. So let's point people to Jesus. Let's preach Jesus. Let's proclaim Jesus. Let's look like Jesus. Let's make it so that when the world sees us and hears us, they scratch their heads and go, well, they're just ordinary people. I got more degrees than him or her. But you know what? They look a lot like Jesus. What a great compliment, amen? That's my prayer. And so the, the two things we ought to take from this and run with, number one, only Jesus. Only Jesus. Salvation comes through no other name. If you've been trying to get saved by coming to church, by tithing, by joining this team, by joining that team, by getting your canned food and taking it to this place and doing this thing, if you've been trying to get saved by doing, 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 stop, stop, stop. Because the Bible teaches, and Peter preached it right here, There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. There is no other name. Not only that, only Jesus. Holy boldness. You want some holy boldness? Holy boldness comes through no other name. If you want the kind of holy boldness that Peter and John stood with, then speak the name Jesus. And keep on speaking the name Jesus even when people tell you to shut up. I can't stop talking about Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to keep talking about Jesus no matter what this world tells me. I'm going to keep preaching Jesus. I'm going to keep speaking Jesus. Because here's the thing. They can lock me up. They can put duct tape across my lips. Guess what? God ain't going to stop working. You can shut me up, but you ain't shutting God up. You can stop Jeff all day long. So what? You ain't stopping God. So I'm just going to keep preaching Jesus. I'm going to keep speaking Jesus. No other name but Jesus. And I'm going to do that until the Lord calls me home. So pray for me that I keep doing that. Because I know what I'm capable of. And I know what I've been guilty of in the past. You keep praying for your pastor. You keep praying for your, your Sunday school teacher. You keep praying for your church. That it be Jesus and nothing else and no one else. Always. He sang that song this morning, always. And that's what I was thinking. Let it always be Jesus. Always. Always His Word. Always His kingdom. That's why John said, less of me and more of Him.